You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Today's episode is going into all things mindset, which is a topic I love to dig into. I'm speaking with Gemma, Andrew, Adiyama, all about positive self-talk, self-limiting beliefs, taking care of yourself, shifting from a negative to a positive mindset and the difference we feel that makes in our business. We talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about why this mindset stuff actually plays into the practical things that happen in our business. And we also talked a little bit about how we keep going, even when it's hard, even when we're tired, because we've both got young children. I really, really love this topic. So let me tell you a bit more about Gemma. She is a certified wellbeing coach, blogger, and retreat host. Through practical and realistic tools and insights focused on self-care, mindset, and intentional living, she's passionate about empowering overwhelmed women, create space for themselves, and supercharge their well-being. You can find her website at unconditionallynourished.com. She's also got a Facebook group of the same name, and she's on Instagram at unconditionallynourished. She also runs seasonal retreats and workshops, which I will link to in the show notes. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Can you explain what you mean by positive psychology and why is it so important in the way that you run your business? I think it all comes down to mindset. Um, It's at the very foundations of everything that we do. And I'm a big believer in cultivating habits in our presence to help create um, a future that we really want. So I'm guessing that the majority of us or all of us actually want a bright and positive future. Um, So I think I personally put a lot of emphasis on positive psychology in my work as a coach and how to deal with negativity because I think it's really important and I think this is especially true in business when things don't always go so well Um, you hear about all these you know six-figure salaries and you hear about um, sell-out kind of events and stuff what you don't hear about is all the hard work and all the pressure and all the failures that happen and I think when you've launched a product and it bombs um, it can really be soul-destroying and I think it's really um, vital that we reframe how we think about failure in business and put a more positive spin on it so it doesn't hold us back and add to our self-limiting beliefs which can get us which can stop us starting in the first place. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I'll definitely come back to that failure stuff. But I just wanted to ask you first, what's your own journey been been like in terms of your mindset and stuff? Like, when did you realize that? Because a lot of us come into business or maybe you've come into it from a different angle than I have. But when I started... I was all about just, you know, building a business, you know, it's all very practical. And I really didn't pay attention to the mindset side of it at all. Like I had all the feelings, but I didn't realize that firstly, they were why they were coming up. And I didn't realize how to deal with them at all. I didn't even know mindset was like a whole thing about business. So what's your journey been like with discovering that? I discovered the power of mindset way back in my PhD which sounds which feels like forever ago now but I was really struggling with imposter syndrome I still struggle with imposter imposter syndrome but I've spoken about it a lot um in the sense that even at the interview I was like what what am I doing here and when I got the call to say that I was successful and I got the the position I was like really like why me like you know and throughout my PhD um it's just 
it's this whole other world of this, these really kind of in super intelligent scientific beings. And then there's this little old me in the lab, um, not believing in myself and what I'm doing here. And I've never said that I'm the most intelligent person in the world. I always work hard to get to where I want to be. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of completely overwhelmed by it all. And it really did affect my my mindset and um, my emotional health as well at the time. I was full of self-limiting beliefs. And when it came to um, doing my driving test, when I was doing my PhD, my postdoc at the time said, if you can do electrophysiology, which is the technique that we use in the lab, you can pass your driving test. And that, just that one sentence kind of like changed it all for me. And I thought, actually, yeah, I can pass my driving test. Um, and I think the power of just reframing things um, from that point on was really um, important to me and in my work. Mm. So I was going to ask you, actually, did they give you much support with the mindset side of things when you were doing your PhD? No, because I think because with like, I think generally with imposter syndrome, you kind of like stay at the back, don't you? You hide at, you hide at the back and you don't want to look silly or, or stupid or ask the wrong questions. So so no, I never I just didn't tell anyone. I just kind of got on with it. Mm. I think it's really like powerful that you shared that because... I mean, I haven't done a PhD and I always think, wow, you've done a PhD. That's absolutely amazing. And it's so interesting to hear the other side of that and what you were thinking inside. So, I mean, you said that that comment you received about your driving test was really useful to you. After that, did you find any specific ways in which you could change your mindset a bit around your imposter syndrome? Obviously, you said you've still got it and it hasn't gone away. And I think that's true for many of us. But how did you sort of keep going and not let it get in the way? I think with all kind of self-limiting beliefs and self-doubt, they're always there. It's always going to be there, no matter how much you work on your mindset, but it's about taking back control. So they don't hold you back and they don't stop you doing what you want to do and reaching your full potential. So I mean, there's like lots of little tricks that I like to use um, in terms of coming back from a negative space to a positive mindset. I use gratitude a lot. I have a daily gratitude practice. Um, and I think some, I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere that a gratitude practice is like burying your head in the sand. But I really beg to differ because it's like, it's almost like a form of self-preservation. You're not letting the negativity consume you by looking for the positives. So um, my gratitude practice, I don't write in a journal or anything or have a big ritual. I just say three things in my head that I'm grateful for, because for me, that works. I think self-care and well-being rituals, they have to be realistic and they have to work in your life. I have two small children. I, I mean, if I prioritised it, I probably could like sit down and write it in a journal but I've got other things that I want to prioritize and I'm not waking up at 4am to do a whole big <laughs> routine to try and fit it in um so that really works um and things like just stepping away um taking a step back and just re-evaluating re things I think that really helps to give you more focus and to get over those hurdles that you constantly put in your own way and my mantra for this year is just do it because <laughs> there's so many times where I've let myself limiting beliefs and the negative self-talk and the inner critic just build up and build up and then I don't do the things that I actually want to do so 
I'm just going to push that to the side and just do it. And if it fails, it fails. If it's a, if it's a success, then amazing, you know? Yes, yeah. And you kind of hit the nail on the head there as to why this mindset stuff is so important because it, it gets in the way of us literally taking action. I think that's the the link that a lot of people need to hear sometimes. You know, when sometimes people are very practical and they don't want to focus on the mindset stuff. You know, people come at it from different angles. But for me, it's very much a practical thing. It's not all like totally woo. It's so practical because that mindset is what stops you taking action in the first place or it's what stops you trying again when you fail, like you mentioned, or it's just what makes things take forever. You know, like you can have a whole day, but you can be overthinking something or you can just like waste all this time freaking out about it. Whereas you could have just got the work done that you needed to get done in the first place. It's true. And what I want to say is that if you're a perfectionist, like that's so valid. Why wouldn't you want your work to be perfect? You know, and um, if you love your comfort zone, of course, it's comfy, it's cozy, it's all you know. And that's fine as long as it doesn't limit you you reaching your full potential yeah yeah absolutely and um I was just going to go back to what you said about gratitudes because I was thinking about my personal experience so as we're recording this I've decided to set myself a little challenge to create a bit more fun flow and freedom for February because we're recording in February but I'm not sure when it's going out yet and I you mentioned how you need to make these things easy right and they need to fit into your day because my um immediate like the way my brain works is, oh, I'm going to make myself do meditation every day. Then I'm going to go for a run every day. Then I'm going to do this, that, and the other. I'm going to, and and I feel like it would be amazing if I could do all the things, but the likelihood is I'm just like setting myself up to fail. So I just thought, right, I'm going to do every day at the beginning and end of the day, two minutes of journaling. And I've got, I use the positive planner and it's got like some specific questions. And then through doing that, it will help me kind of just become more aware of all the other stuff and just become, and just reaffirm my intention every day that I'm creating a bit more space for myself and a bit more fun for myself this month. And at the end of each day, it has space for, and really, really small space for gratitude. And I just, I forget all the time how powerful gratitude is. I forget all the time because it, it's only like three lines. It takes me 10 seconds. And like you said, you could do it in your head. It makes so much difference to me. It just, and I don't, I agree with you. It's not burying your head in the sand at all. Like, I think it gives me a sense of like groundedness and feeling safe. And I think it's very important to feel safe. Like, if I know that I've already got so much good stuff in my life, and obviously it varies from day to day, the kind of stuff that comes out in your gratitude list, whatever. But if I feel that sense of gratitude, I feel safe. And I think that ultimately a lot of what these worries and fears come down to is that you don't feel safe and you don't feel good enough. And it just really, it it's so, so powerful. And I used to do it back when, I, I used this same journal back when I first had my son and I was going through a really difficult time with my mental health. And honestly, the gratitude... And just the self-awareness of two minutes of journaling helped me so, so much. And it's so simple and it's okay for it to be simple. Like a simple thing can help so much. Yeah, I think when it comes to self-care and well-being, I think people think it has to be, it has to be perfect. You have to have incense burning. You have to meditate. Yeah. yeah. Hours sunset. And it's not that at all. It has to be what's aligned with you and what works for you and what lifts you and brings you joy and that grounding and it can be, I don't know, dancing around the kitchen to your favourite song. If that's what helps you and if that what 
that's what gets you, you know, kickstarts your day, then that's great. It could be going for a run, connecting with nature, reading a book. Like it doesn't have to be this overcomplicated big thing. It can be the most simplest of things. And I think the same with the gratitude practice. It doesn't have to be big, massive things like, oh, I don't know, I'm thankful for, you know, buying a house this week or, you know, it can be I, I managed to pay my bills this week, you know, or my fridge is full of food. I mean, they're really nice things to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important that, yeah, you're emphasising the fact that we get to do it in our own way. And so someone listening to this may think, well, I'm going to try gratitude and maybe it's not their favourite way of going about it, but it's just about being self-aware, I suppose. Yeah, and I think the important thing is do what right for you lean into what feels good and I think that's a really important message when it comes to excuse me when it comes to well-being but it's not about the one size fits all approach we all need different things to thrive and on my own personal journey I found that living by the seasons is really helpful because we need different things to thrive throughout the year as well Mm. so what works for you in summer won't necessarily work for you in autumn or winter for instance so I think it's really important to tune into that as well yeah so how have some specific kind of seasonal practices um played out in your life then how how do you incorporate those seasons into what you do um so a constant for me is being in nature um that's something I do throughout the I can do throughout the whole year um in autumn I like warmth I like comfort so lighting candles having fairy lights on you know lots of like cozy blankets and stuff that's lovely and then in the summer spring summer especially I I always see spring as emerging out of hibernation um so open all the windows in the house let all the air in just you know light airy things you know your food changes in um in each season um so yeah just loads of different things um what else do I like to do in the spring just go for long walks um yeah loads of stuff just lots of I think I'm more outdoorsy in the spring summer because you have the weather for it but I think I probably need to put more emphasis on that on the in the winter and autumn as well winter is just not my my season I just hate (laughs) <laughs> I've I've been thinking this too because I like that you mentioned those things because they all sound really small don't they but actually when I go back to my kind of challenging myself for this month that's the exact kind of thing that I want to notice like if I just open the window for a few minutes how does that make me feel or if I like light a candle before I start writing how does that make me feel so I like that you mentioned that stuff but yeah I agree and I because we're recording this in winter Lately, sometimes I've gone outside just to like walk to the shop for a few minutes and I've been like, oh my goodness, I didn't know how much I needed to get outside and how good this feels. Um, And it's so funny, isn't it? How we don't do the things that are good for us. Because I was going to ask you about that. Do you get in those phases where, you know, your gratitude's help and you just don't do it for weeks? (laughs) Oh yeah, all the time. Um, there's definitely like peaks and troughs. I mean, no one's well-being journey is linear. It's always up and down, up and down. Um, but I think what I take comfort in is that I've got that toolbox there for me to, to always come back to. And I know that it makes me feel good when I do come back to it. So there might be times where I prioritize other things, um, like my work or, you know, there's kids are doing stuff and their activities and, you know, life, life does get in the way. Um, but when I come back to it, it's really reassuring and really grounding. And I do feel more connected with doing that. And it is a comfort just having that there. Yeah. 
I like how you described it as a toolbox. I actually feel the same about it. And I think that took the pressure off a bit for me because like I said, sometimes I want to do all the things and I think I need to be meditating. I need to be doing journaling. I need to be doing gratitudes. I need to be doing affirmations, whatever. And when you think of it like a toolbox, you can just go in and take what you need at that time, I suppose. Yeah, you can just dip in and out. And sometimes the things in some of the things in your toolbox, you probably won't touch because they're not right for you at that moment in time. And that's fine. You can just leave them there and just get back to them when it feels good to. Yeah. So let's dive into how this applies to certain things you do in your business. So if you were launching something or launching a new service or a new product or something like that, would you change up your kind of mindset habits to like keep you in the right headspace for that? Or does it show up in other ways in your business? Like I'd be really interested to dig into that a bit. Um, Launching something new is very consuming, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) There's just so much that goes on behind the scenes to it. And I think it's, um, it is important in those times to take some time out for you. But um, mindset wise, I'm always fearing the failure. Always, always, always fearing the failure. You put all this hard work into it. You're committed to it. Like you, you really want it to work and then you launch it. And what if no one buys into it? What if it doesn't sell? What is, you know, there's all these kind of what ifs and unknowns. Um, for me, um, I always kind of focus on what if it's successful? Um, that's a question that I always ask myself and I always try and channel into that positivity and also, um, as we were talking about before, reframing failure. If it fails, it fails. And at the time, it's rubbish, you know. It's soul-destroying when you put all that hard work into something and it doesn't go to plan or how you wanted it to. And um, once you've worked through that, I think it's important to take on the lessons that failure um, has has given you, basically, and see it as a lesson. Um, I came across a quote a few weeks ago that says, said something about failure gives you another string to your bow like it enables you to grow and evolve and to come back as a better and stronger person to try again hopefully next time um it will work out you know but that's that's just the gamble that's just the look of the draw isn't it and failure will happen and I think it's accepting that failure will happen along your journey um but when it does it's it's how you react to it you are in control of of how you react to things ultimately and it doesn't have to be a negative thing yeah absolutely so I'll put you on the spot a bit and ask you can you think of a time when you failed and some of the positive things that I taught you oh gosh yes actually <laughs> I put out a self-care planner um that you can still get on my website actually I should probably take it down because no one <laughs> no one's bought a copy of it um, it's still there <laughs> um yeah self-care planner and I just kind of put it out there like I didn't really do any research market research I didn't really tap into what my my audience I hate that word um um wanted I just literally put it out there hoping someone might purchase it or be interested in it um but what I learned from that is that one self-care planners are an oversaturated market perhaps there's loads of them that you can download for free um and also putting something out there of that's of value to my 
my audience um, by doing the research, by simply asking the question, what is it that you want? What, you know, what are you having trouble with at the moment? Obviously, planning self-care just wasn't an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it's just really good that you shared it like that, because you're also kind of saying like, it hasn't it it doesn't mean that everything you're doing is rubbish and that's the kind of way we go to isn't it when like something like that fails you think oh I'm just rubbish this whole business is rubbish I can't do it you know and it's like no it's okay that one thing I didn't like put enough thought into it or you know whatever reasons and I can do something else or I can perhaps even use that thing but in a different format in a different time in a different place and maybe it'll be worth it then exactly I mean you can I have been thinking about printing it off and using it as a worksheet at one of my retreats so that can we yeah you can always reuse it or kind of you know bring it give it a different life yeah yeah absolutely um and I've definitely had times where I failed like I failed I've said this quite a few times on the podcast I think but I've um I went to launch a course I didn't sell any and because I was freaking out about the failure and this is interesting actually tying it into what we were saying because I was already freaking about the failure so much, I didn't even stick it out to my own deadline and I cancelled the whole launch before it even reached the end. So I think that is a real example of how the mindset can really... Because re- more recently I've launched something and I stuck it out to the end and I really, really used all the mindset tools from my toolbox and I had people sign up really last minute. So... And that is a real, real thing that everyone has to deal with when they're launching something. People often wait till the absolute last minute. So therefore, you need to not give up before you reach the end. Um, It's like a marathon. It makes me think of running a marathon. I have run a marathon and it was really bloody hard. Um, (laughs) And oh, the mindset stuff about that. Yeah, it's like there's always a bit more in your body that you can do, but the mind is telling you, no, I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. I feel, I feel like that's so related to like launching something, but yeah, um, this is why it's so important to use all those mindset tools so that you don't give up before you actually need to. Isn't there a quote saying that like something is about to happen when, before you're about, just before you're about to give up or something? Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the exact words and I probably, kind of rephrased it really badly there but (laughs) yeah no and it's totally true I think it's really really true so um let's go back to something that you mentioned before because I wanted to dive into this for anyone who's perhaps not as familiar with it as like we are because we've kind of just been throwing the term out there but can you talk about self-limiting beliefs and what that actually means it's basically the inner critic. It's the that voice in your head that tells you that you can't, that you're not enough, it's that it's not gonna work or your idea is rubbish, you know, all those negative all that negative dialogue that just builds up inside of you that stops you from reaching your goals, from reaching your full potential and living a full life. And it's that mental hurdle that you have to get over to even put your first step forward into what you want to be doing. Um, and it's a tough one. It's a t- it's, it's, it will always be there. That voice in your head will always be there telling you that you're not good enough. I think that's just human nature. It's how we're wired up. But it's about um, rewiring your your brain and how in how you deal with it. You can take back control. It's just about building up that kind of, I guess, emotional resilience to get you 
to where you want to be and not letting it control you and taking over your life yeah yeah that makes sense and it's interesting because going back to like when I was going to launch my course and then it hadn't sold any and then I decided to cancel it it's almost like I was seeing it as evidence I was seeing the fact that it hadn't sold as evidence of my self-limiting belief which was just I'm not good enough and this isn't going to work so it's just and at that time I let it stop me from carrying on um so yeah when we have a belief like that because because obviously there can be things that come up in the moment but there's some that are really ingrained right and that last for a long long time so if we have a belief like I'm just not good enough at what I do how do we take action to sort of work on that over time I think taking a step back is always a good one it can be a scary one to do in business because you you automatically think you have to be doing all the time but actually taking a step back gives you time to reflect to think to reevaluate, to to just have a real kind of dig down and deep thinking um moment on on your why just go back to your why and I think that's really important when you are in those kind of negative moments and in that mindset where you're not enough just go back to why are you why am I here in the first place what is it that I want to achieve and I think that's a really good kind of kickstarter to get your motivation going again Mm, I like what you said about stepping back because I agree it's really hard to step back sometimes when you feel like you need to be doing 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 and often we end up doing and getting overwhelmed with the doing and trying to do all the things as a way to kind of mask our feelings about it and like if I'm not good enough therefore I need to do everything and then maybe I'll be good enough you know um are there any are there any like self-limiting beliefs that you come up again and it's like you you come up against regularly and you think you think you've kind of dealt with it and then you're going along and then you're like oh it's that again um for me that I'm not doing enough and I'm not good enough all the time and that's that kind of imposter syndrome and recovering perfectionist in me I think um but yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's a long old road, mindset work. It's not something that you can, you know, just click your fingers and it's done. Um, and I don't think there is a cure. I think it's just the constant working on yourself and, again, putting that toolkit together so you can take back control and change the song in your head, change that tune to something more positive so you can actually achieve what you want to achieve. But yeah, I'm not good enough is is a big one um when you're self-employed the job never feels done like there's always something that you need to be doing and if you're just kind of like sitting there relaxing on the sofa watching Netflix I don't know sometimes I do feel like oh I should be doing something (laughs) oh my goodness yeah I get that too and it's like it's the blessing and the curse of like doing work that you love and that's really creative in the sense that you get to basically create everything yourself come up with all the ideas you figure out how to market it whatever it's yeah it's a blessing and a curse isn't it and um and this is basically why I've challenged myself to create the more space for myself this month because I I was just feeling really like intuitively like I am just working too much and it's not good for me it's not good for my family and it's not good for my work actually I don't think it is good for my work but it's really hard to get out of that so I'm kind of challenging myself to create the proof that I can do it with a bit more space and I think the the whole like I'm not good enough thing because that definitely is a big one for me 
I feel like the, and it, it's a shame that this is the truth of it in a way, but I feel like the more I do this work, the more clients I work with, the more evidence, like literal facts I have, the more I can call on them when I need to. So like sometimes I'll even do a bit of journaling and I'll be like, where's the evidence? And I'll like list it out. And I know that that's easier the longer you've been in business. Um, it's also easier when you're like working with a coach or a mentor who can like help you notice how far you've come as well. But it's it's difficult, I think, when you're in the earlier stages because you don't have the evidence yet, but it still doesn't mean you're not good enough. It still doesn't mean that your belief that you're not good enough is true. It's just harder. You have to go to those other places. Like you said, your why, like focus on the stuff that you can focus on. And over time, you get more evidence. So I think it gets a bit easier. And I guess the more I've worked on this stuff, the more I'll notice myself having a thought like I'm not good enough and thinking, okay, I'm catching that thought and I'm not going to believe it, even though logic, no, logically, I'm not going to believe it, even though, yeah, I still believe it a bit, but I'm getting better at catching those thoughts. And I think back in the past, when I first started my business a long time ago, I wouldn't have even noticed myself having those thoughts about it. So it's a real journey. It is. It's about, I guess, being, like you say, being in tune with your with your mind and, and what it's saying to you and just catching those thoughts and just putting them to bed and just and just doing it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, that's great, isn't there? Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's really hard. It's, it's a constant battle. Um, but but we've got this. We can do this. <laughs> I think having that self-belief is just is so important, but it takes a while to build up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I feel like, and I know I've read stuff about this as well, I feel like people who have the most imposter syndrome are actually the ones who actually really care about what they do, you know, and they hold themselves to a high standard. So in that way, it's kind of evidence against what their imposter syndrome is telling them. Well, exactly. Because when I was doing my PhD I had this whole like imposter syndrome oh my god what am I doing here but I was doing the work like I was producing results in the lab and that's the weird thing I was actually doing the work I was doing what I was supposed to be doing but then I was still thinking I was still devaluate like devaluing myself and like thinking well why me like what am I doing here really um it's really it's it's really interesting I do find it quite interesting how like mindset works and you know our whole thought processes around that kind of stuff so we've talked a bit about kind of the the kind of stories and self-limiting beliefs that you can figure out or sort of work on that aren't necessarily factually true. But what if there's something going on in your, in your life, like a, an event, or it could even be like, you know, kids not sleeping, right, for a period of time and you're absolutely knackered. How do you keep that mindset work going in those really hard lifetimes? I um, recently ran two events last month. The first one was a vision board workshop. The week before I got tonsillitis, um, we just ran two other vision board workshops. And the night before I got a cold. So I'm like, what, what is my body? Is someone trying to tell me something? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was quite, I was really frustrated actually, because I was really geared up to like, you know, let's do this and let's let's have a great workshop. And then I get sick on both occasions. Um I, I think you just kind of I just kind of went with it and I you know had passion I had the I had the belief in our workshop and in what we were going to deliver and I think that carried me through um even though I was I was feeling quite ill <laughs> and probably riding on a on a wave of adrenaline um but yeah I think just having the sheer belief in it and the passion that's what that's what got me through um 
in those times. But it's difficult. It is difficult. Um, I think if you don't have the belief, I think that co- that comes across in your in your process when you're trying to sell it. I think you really have to have um, the passion there and for that to be visible for everyone to see. Otherwise, they're going to think, well, if you don't believe in it, then why should I? Mm, mm. I think that kind of is a really good example of why it's when you when you're in the kind of work that we are, when you kind of create your own services and products, you know, you come up with them, the ideas coming from a place of what you really believe in and not just coming from a place of I need to create a course. Let's create a course that this is the kind of course I should create, you know, that's okay. But yeah, when it gets hard, you're not going to be able to keep showing up for it. Um, and if you come from a place of, I really believe in this, or this is what I'm really good at helping people with, um, or this is the journey I've been on. And I know that I now want to take other people on. I feel like it's so much easier to talk about. And I found that recently with launching my, I've, I've launched my first kind of group mentoring program. And I really came from that place of, um, belief and like knowing about what transformation I wanted to bring about. And, it still got hard because I think it's normal to get hard when you're launching something and you're talking about it regularly. It's normal for it to feel a bit difficult, but actually it was, it, it was pretty much easy. And it's because I kept, I kept consciously in my mind going back to that belief that you talked about. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's such a, going back to like when you're tired and you've got kids and because I get I get colds and stuff all the time and I swear it's because of my son going to nursery and it's just (laughs) it's so draining right it's so frustrating especially when you are geared up for it like you said that you were it's so frustrating (laughs) yeah and I try not to because I've it seems to like last winter I had a period of going through loads of colds and being really run down and I actually thought it was my fault so although I felt empowered thinking that's like, right, it's my fault, but I'm going to like do better. I felt empowered at the time. Now this year I've had the similar thing. and I'm like, no, it isn't my fault. Like it's just life at the moment. Even little mindset shifts like that have helped me to keep going because I don't, I can't usually stop my work because I need to, you know, I need to shout for my clients. I need to bring the money in. Um, so I can't normally stop. If I had to, I would definitely like reschedule a client call. That would be fine. But, you know, certain things I have to keep doing. And it's really hard because I do believe in resting and all this, taking time off. But it's hard. You can't always do that. And I think that the mindset stuff, oh, motorbike just gone past. The mindset (laughs) stuff is so key for like getting you through and also just like knowing, just being really like, right, this is what I really need to show up for now. And then prioritizing, we're like, this is what I can let go of a bit right now. And I think that's actually quite hard sometimes to let go of stuff. It really is. Um, yeah, I think prioritizing comes, like you said, um, comes in there and working out what is it that I really need to do now? And what is it that I can just kind of put to bed and come back to? another time especially in those moments when you're really really tired and feeling really run down um there's been times where um I've had no childcare and I've been running my business um before Aiden started nursery and that was really tough because I was making up early I was working during nap times and then those days when he wouldn't nap and that would be really frustrating and then I was really late and it was just really really hard and obviously I've got a one-year-old now so I've kind of gone back to that but luckily she goes to nursery two days a week now so I had two solid days where I can I can do stuff um, with full focus without kind of chopping and changing and doing bits here, doing bits there. But it's really tough. But then I kind of think 
I think when I look back, um, I, there's evidence there that it is possible. You can do it. You just have to, you just have to stick with it, and you have to work with what you have, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it made me think of one of your like self-limiting beliefs that always comes up is like you're not doing enough, and that obviously, I think that's a really common thing with mothers, right? And especially with, and with any business owner. So actually, working on that belief working on your mindset around that belief actually directly impacts how you feel like when you don't have enough time or when you're run down and ill because you get better at letting things go and not feeling like if I didn't have a productive day today, I'm not a good person or whatever, you know, those kind of thoughts that we kind of subconsciously have. Yeah. So I think that's just, yeah. And, and obviously when things are really bad, it just comes down to being kind to yourself. Like you have to be kind to yourself sometimes and just think, well, it's, it's bad and it sucks and just kind of admit that. Yeah, I think just just be honest with yourself. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think we've covered a lot of the the kind of things that we mentioned when we were kind of going back and forth before uh, booking this interview in. But is there any are there any other tips or advice that you would want to give people, especially for like if you're in a funk, you're not feeling good, and you just want to boost your mood, because I feel like boosting your mood is really good for the work that you put out there and selling your stuff and that. Is there any advice you have or any things that you do that help you with that? Um, gratitude, like we've already yeah. spoken about. That's a, that's a major um, mood booster for me. Um, also, taking some time out for myself to do mm-hmm. the things that I love, so walking in nature, reading, etc. Um, I think that's a really good mood booster and gives you some more focus. It gives you focus away from the, the negative stuff yeah. to put you back into a more positive mood and mindset. And this is a bit of tough love, but I think it's really important not to play the victim. Mm-hmm. Like you are responsible for your own happiness and for your own mindset. And you can tap into the positivity at any time. I think sometimes when we're in a negative space, Um, I'm all for feeling the way you want to feel and sitting with that for a while and working through that but when it consumes you you're you're kind of responsible for that it's up to you to tap into the happiness and finding that magic around that and moving away from the negativity Um, so that's what I mean by not being a victim to it Uh, you are responsible for it and when you take ownership of it you're kind of taking back control and making that kind of that tunnel towards happiness again yeah absolutely I actually really agree with this because also being responsible does mean you can get support for it as well and I feel like that's been a huge learning thing for me because I know that obviously you know mental illness exists and you know I have experience with that myself and sometimes you cannot go to the positive but as someone who has experience with that I do believe that knowing I'm responsible for it is overall actually empowering it's not like it's not a, a place for me to beat myself up and think I caused this, especially if it's like mental illness. But I do find it empowering. And also knowing that I'm responsible for asking for support and I do have support systems. And I know that everyone's situations are different, but I, I do really, really believe that. And in my own work, like I've actually started to, and I, if anyone's like me, sometimes you need to trick your brain into like prioritizing <laughs> certain things. So so it's like, oh, if I do it for myself, it just gets put to the bottom of the to-do list. But I think, oh, if I'm doing it for my clients, right? So yeah. I actually think like doing <laughs> the things that make me feel good are really good for my clients because I like show up on a call in a different energy or, you know, I'll put out better work, you know, in what I'm sharing in my words. Um, 
so yeah sometimes I do think of it like that and I do genuinely believe it's true but it's just sort of a shifting of the way I'm prioritizing it just to make sure I actually do it so one thing I'm trying to do at the moment is just to take a few minutes before every call I do to kind of breathe get myself in the right headspace get myself in the right energy and just to say a few like affirmations to myself like you know I believe I'm going to say what needs to be said or you know I'm going to show up for this client or whatever um but yeah I think for me I don't I kind of I think that we're quite similar in the things that make us feel good I feel like getting outside is so useful for me and I mean since having a child it's helped a bit with that because before having him god I would sometimes go you know days without going out you know when I'm working from home um and I know it's not good for me it's really not good for me so I empathize with people who do end up sitting inside all day but um yeah it is good for me especially I can find myself going down a real like rabbit hole of like feelings about my business or you know anything um it just interrupts it doesn't it interrupts it and yeah gives your brain a bit of space from those thoughts like you mentioned yeah I I've really the past year or so really been conscious of how much time I spend in my office at home Mm -hmm. without seeing anyone before I set my coaching practice when I was emailing like talking and talking to PRs it was all done via email I didn't have to speak to anyone at all all day um and yeah, I don't know, the impact on like my mental health was actually quite shocking. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of like sat here in office by yourself, n- not talking to anyone. And I used to like go to the local shop, like just to buy a couple of things. But that interaction with the the cashier was probably the only interaction that I probably got for the, for the whole day until my husband, you know, my child came home uh, from nursery. Um so yeah, I really put like a lot of emphasis on trying to work in different places or, you know, meet up with um, people. Because um, I think when you, it's, it's that whole thing about self-care, not being selfish and reframing that to when you feel your best, you give your best. Yes, absolutely. You, know, you give your best to everything, your work, your family, your, your friends, you know, whatever it is in your life. When you feel 100%, and when you feel calm and, you know, empowered and just and just generally just happy, um, you can give your best to every, to everything else in your life. Yeah. Are you an introvert? I am an introvert. Yeah, I thought you were. <laughs> I'm an ex- what is the phrase? I'm an ex- is it extroverted introvert? Oh, where okay. Like around, where you like being around people, but you have to retreat. You like your own yeah. space as well. Yeah. Not in an indulgent way. Yeah. You just have to retreat back and kind of recover. Oh, yeah. So because that's it's just funny when you were talking about how you didn't see people have that social interaction, because I used to think that that was a benefit of my job. So I didn't have to I didn't do calls. I did email, like you said, like that's how I got communicating with my clients. And um, yeah, I used to think it was a benefit of my job. And I used to think I wouldn't want it to be based around having calls and like this, you know, chatting. And I've realized, you know, I've realized the hard way, actually, I need this, you know, and and that's one of the amazing things I think about online business. Like I sometimes even though I don't even I though I may not leave the house in one day, I still like talk to people all the time. And I do think it's really, really good for my mental health, even as an introvert who used to try and avoid people at all costs. (laughs) Exactly. I found like doing Instagram stories quite beneficial, especially Mm. in those those early days where I wasn't like 
really making the effort to go out as much just to like communicate and just talk to someone just to, you know just to be able to talk is quite it's quite powerful it's quite powerful and just those 15 seconds on Instagram stories were were really weirdly helpful yeah yeah I like that okay so I'm going to ask you my random question from my deck of questions um what do you believe in despite having no proof of it that's a really tough question but after thinking about it I really believe that when we want to achieve something and we have all these self-limiting beliefs and mindset blocks everything that we need to achieve what we want to achieve is inside of us um and it's just about unlocking that and getting past that that fear or whatever it is that's holding us back and just yeah just making it happen basically we all have everything that we need inside of us I don't have any proof of it but I know I know it's true yeah I believe that too and I feel like we get like slivers of proof about it when we actually try things but then we have to try things and fail at things as well so yeah it's I think that's a really important kind of belief to have as an entrepreneur actually I think so as well because otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't grow as a, as a person or you wouldn't grow in your business if you didn't have that kind of mentality that or belief that you can actually achieve it. I mean, the, the, even when you do have self-limiting beliefs, there must be something inside of you to say, actually, I can achieve this. Otherwise, you wouldn't start it in the first place. Mm, mm. And sometimes it's just, and and again, going back to like getting support, like even though it's already inside you that support can help you access it I think oh massively having someone in your corner just kind of you on and that accountability is definitely a big a big benefit yeah yeah oh I love this chat about mindset thank you so much you're welcome thank you for having me on the podcast it's been amazing chatting to you thank you so much for listening to another episode of creatively human If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.